Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. There's some very important questions about when it is appropriate to challenge our leadership, and if we are to challenge our leadership, how to do it, and how not to do it. And really the idea of of rebellion or resistance, which we've discussed in earlier podcasts. This week's Parsha, um, from chapter 16 of Bamidbar, the Book of Numbers, introduces us to the character of Korach, who stands up to the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And he says famously, Rav lachem, it's too much for you. Like, why are you doing this all on your own? You know, we're all, we're a holy nation. We should all be involved in leadership. And there seems to be some ways in which his arguments are legitimate and reasonable. And yet uh, he is seen across the board as being challenging for all the wrong reasons, from a place of uh, ego, perhaps. And then there's this whole whole question of, uh, of, of just what his aims really are. Is he really coming from a good place? So anyway... I'm here with, I'm so happy to be here with um, a friend, an absolute mentor, someone who I really call my Rav, my Rabbi, and that's Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg. We've known each other for a very long time, and I'm here in London sitting uh, with with Rabbi Wittenberg, with Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Hi. It's and so I really appreciate being with my close friend, colleague, mentor, we share Torah, <laughs> Rabbi Mark Soloway. Thank you. It's, it's it's really lovely. So I just uh, I thought we'd just spend a few minutes discussing that question because you are so active, obviously, in the Jewish community, but you've, you're very involved for people outside London. I mean, everybody in London knows who you are and what you do, but really, really taken some very strong and important positions. And um, and so, how how do you respond? To, to Korach and like what and, and, and I guess the second part of that question like what what is our responsibility as faith leaders to stand up to leadership and when when is it appropriate to do that do you mind if I begin at the other end which is Korach Again. challenges Moses and something I find moving and impressive is there's a very very short verse it's just four verses in and it says Moses listened and he fell to the ground on his face and there's something about people who are challenged, who've got the ability to listen to the challenge, followed by the humility to fall to the ground in prayer and say, maybe I'm wrong. That's the classic comment. Mm-hmm. Have, I, have I got this wrong? I wish our world had more leaders who have the capacity to be wrong, to acknowledge it, but to listen to what people say. And, and that, I think, is is moving and it's a terribly important quality in a leader is to be able to hear criticism admit mistakes have the humility to rethink many don't but also i I don't know how much we give leaders the permission to make mistakes in our society Mm. yeah thank you for flipping the question on his head and it's you know you you get the sense that perhaps Moses learned that from his father-in-law because the very first thing we hear about his father-in-law Lord Yitro is that he listened to to Moses he he had that capacity to hear and perhaps Moses really throughout although there are times when he doesn't but 
the fact that he has the humility to to take that seriously so in do you feel then um that that's a more a more pertinent question for Korach is is like the current leaderships need to listen to the challenges i i feel that's a very pertinent question in so many parts of the world where where there's the danger of um arrogant leadership of leadership which dismisses criticism or leadership which it takes courage to listen or leadership which doesn't have that listening capacity or the courage to hear what people are what people are really saying and the sign of a of a really good leader is the ability to hear reflect and then communicate in a way which reassures people that you know I've heard the truth that I've been told and, and that in a way takes me to the first part of your question which is the, I'm, the I'm most... intrigued before we go there if you if you can think of you know leaders in the 20th or 21st century who you think have modeled that I'll give you a small instance it comes from British politics I hope that's okay but somebody who was I think a very good human being and not a good politician was the previous uh, previous prime minister Gordon Brown now during a campaign when he like so many other politicians thought he was disconnected from the mic he made some dismissive remark about a woman who he'd felt pestered by that was broadcast and caught and captured his aides told him don't go back he said turn the car around i am going to apologize and he did mm-hmm. and i respect that yeah. i admire that and um and i find it very very nervous one of the things i found very frightening about president trump was when he apparently said when asked who his close advisors were that he takes counsel with himself that's that's unwise it is unwise and and yeah terrifying and dangerous mm-hmm. okay so you were going to so it's my fault no, 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 backwards but but actually it seems to me the biblical the the biblical view of leadership like generalizing here a lot but is 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 often about the connection between truth and power and the voice of the prophet and the voice of the king or the ruler and the two are in a tense dialectic with one another there are a number of really famous examples perhaps the most important the most best known is when the prophet Nathan goes to king David after king David has really had Bathsheba's husband killed at the front in order to take her as his wife and sleep with her and he he gives this parable of the rich man who takes the poor man's one and only lamb and what do you think about it and then the prophet has the guts to say and king david that person is you and the ability the moral courage to tell truth to power is extremely important and when later on the rabbis look at different centers of power the the famous passage which talks about the three crowns the crown of prophet the crown of sorry torah the crown of priesthood and the crown of kingship they're different crowns so that there's a real danger in religious leaders taking power but religious leaders need to be able to talk to power and power needs to hear them it, it, the quality of that communication is really important and to fail to say things which one feels deeply to be true is 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 a moral weakness one may want to say them with questions one may say i i may be mistaken but i believe this is true or you may have other considerations as well but it is important to say that 
and there are plenty of messages about social justice, environmental justice, the nature of compassion and the needs of the vulnerable that if religious leadership is quiet, well then, who are we? Who are we indeed? I was in a very powerful um, workshop uh, on kind of faith and action um, with faith leaders from across across the the spectrum really and there was a, a very powerful pastor who gave this opening kind of sermon in which he dared to ask us the question he said are you chaplains of the empire or prophets for the resistance and this this idea of the empire being somehow the the the, the status quo and we do have to be chaplains for the empire we do have to um, administer to people in 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 the systems that we live in, and give people comfort, and when they're when they're, you know, the the whole idea of of the rabbi as pastor and and so on. But but when we have to also resist, and when we have to be prophets of that resistance, and I think that's what I I, I rem- was reminded of that when you spoke, like how we speak truth to power, how we are not confusing our roles with the roles of politicians, but that we're actually taking the the core messages of our of our of our scriptures, of the Torah, whatever, and just recognizing that we have to take care of the vulnerable in society, and we have to remind our leaders that that's really a part of their part of their job. Absolutely, and I think there's there's different weight attached to different ways of speaking out. The greatest weight, to me, comes from somebody who will say, "Look, I've been working with this group of vulnerable people." I spent five years listening to refugees help it. I'm not speaking personally. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this. You know, I spent years listening to refugees. I've, I've heard their stories. I know their struggles. I, I, I've met with these children. I'm speaking in their voice. And when you hear that, you know that that person is speaking with deep moral integrity and the commitment they've proved on their own bodies by, by walking the walk. That's a different kind of voice from the kind of voice that is always criticizing and always takes a contrary point of view. And I think that one needs to one needs to know that the issues one's speaking about are really important, deeply rooted, and then one wants to muster the voices of people who who care about them. So is that the issue with Korak? Korak was he bringing? Ultimately, was his challenge not based on, on, on real issues and real people? Well, the, as you said at the outset, rabbinic, rabbinic commentary takes a dim view of Korach th- through and through. I really haven't come across, ex- I mean, not, not that I know that much, but I haven't come across I- exceptions to that. And, and also his case is not clear. It says he takes, but it's not clear yeah. what he takes. And the general view yeah, the is... says, an, Vayikach Korach, Korach took... And then there's no there's no object to that sentence, so, it's uh, and it seems to be motivated by by envy, yes. really, uh, and by personalized envy. So that's not a, a good model. That doesn't mean to say that everybody who has something valuable to say has only the purest motives. Most of us have mixed motives some of the time, but it's not a it's not a good model. Um, what are what are more 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 powerful models? Well, I've mentioned. Natan and David, but the classic, the, the the classic prophets. There's no, there's a reason why the language of prophecy lies at the roots of Rabbi Avram uh, Yoshua Heschel, and why it was so important to Martin Luther King. Mm. 
the prophecies of, of Amos because they had a profound commitment to justice and they were not afraid to challenge its abuses and to go to the homes and the palaces and the centers of those who control the power and say, let justice roll down like water. Mm -hmm. And then one's got to try to live it, at least to some extent, at least to some extent. I mean, that's, that's the big, that's the big challenging commitment. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, at the risk of embarrassing you, I think you, Tr frankly, as a, as a rabbi, I think you walk it more than anybody I know. I mean, I think you, you do, just do extraordinary work in this community. People who don't know Jonathan, he's he's rabbi of a very large and vibrant community here in London, New North London Synagogue, but also is extremely involved in, in interfaith work and environmental justice work and works with refugees and has just done done so much. And I know you're, you're going to resist me saying that. I don't that feel that you, I walk the walk very much at all. I... I, I see a, what, what is important and I think we're speaking as one community rabbi to another yeah. and I, I imagine you'll agree I haven't tested this out beforehand is I see in my community people who walk the walks in different parts of life and they're my teachers yeah they may I may need to find the, the verse from the Torah they're my teachers about what matters and I see them around me and mm -hmm. they're, they're they're my heroes mm -hmm. um, they're my heroes in what kinds of areas work with refugees, yeah. work with social justice, just plain compassion. Claire, shouldn't use that adjective. The person who, who, who works at a doc, as a doctor but doesn't go home when they could have gone home because there's a patient they still want to see. Or the person who works as a special needs teacher and you know, they're really, really thinking, what can I do for this child? It can actually be anything. I also, you know, the people who work on security on our site, I never go past there without a heartfelt greeting from some of them. And if I greeted people I meet as nicely as they greet me, well, that would be something to learn. Mm -hmm. So actually one has people who, we don't have to look far for people who walk the walk. Right. And we need to appreciate them and join them. Yeah. So then let's, let's talk a little bit more about what the special responsibilities are for for faith leaders because you know we do <laughs> we do have people who listen sometimes to to what we what we have to say and so how we construct our messages and how we choose our words and try not to be just frivolous about you know political affiliations or you know um the foibles of leadership but really talking about substantive matters i mean how how do you how do you weigh that out? Like when you, you know, it's the summer, so inevitably we start thinking about like the the big high holiday season. I mean, how do you start constructing what your what your messages might be and and how they might involve challenge to leadership or or, or speaking truth to power as you as you spoke before? Just so apropos, when we talk about challenge to leadership, we are leaders. So if we're challenging leadership, we're also challenging ourselves. Absolutely. And that's difficult. And perhaps that's part of the desire, perhaps what that perhaps that's part of the the, the factor that can make one complacent. Is I I can be frightened of challenging myself. I, I I'm never sure about this. It seems it seems to me though very important, particularly if we venture into the political arena, that 
we are values-based and rooted in our tradition because I don't believe we're entitled to talk party politics for this certainly not for the sake of talking party politics that's inappropriate but a major issue of values whatever the party and whoever the personalities we have a responsibility to try to raise Um, so what are the values that are most under threat in our world right now truth is one of them truth absolutely honesty and integrity commitment to others and that's a big part of it actually In, in a world where there has been, and, and I now see this being curbed here because Britain has not been a comfortable place these last two months with a number of terror attacks. As it's been curbed, but there's been an increase in the language of xenophobia and the hatred of the other. So I think we have a responsibility to, to, to ensure that our words are on the side of love and not hate certainly not consciously but also not unconsciously are we encouraging affiliations and adherences which are hurtful to other groups of people so there's a kind of mindfulness about our words which is extremely important even as we address issues of values and i've often felt it was a misuse of the of the pulpit to encourage adherence and fervor and eagerness and zealousness at the cost of anybody else so the words need to be embracing and they need to be inclusive Mm -hmm. and they need to be rooted another huge value i mean i think we see that the terrible fire people will have heard about in london in which a whole tower block was burnt and the unknown number of people killed there are issues of social justice there is an issue it's not just I've been aware of Black Lives Matter but I think here the slogan in ways all lives matter all lives matter and we have to also stand up for life on earth at this perilous time so those would be some of the core values that I've been looking to 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 address and do, do it, I mean <laughs> this is maybe too too much of an in conversation for, among two rabbis but do, do, do you as you start thinking about the, uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, do you do those values of our day like just seep into in, into you as you think about what your message is going to be? I mean, is it conscious in that way? I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, is there anything that we can learn from Korach? I mean, obviously, from the Parsha, we can. You've you've said, I think, very beautifully that we learn an enormous amount from from uh, Moshe's response to Korach, but is there anything that he that he brings? I mean, re- regardless of what the rabbis might say, is there any value in, in the way in which he challenges? Or is it really just about his own ego, if you just read it? I think that question's going to stay with me as I reread it for this Shabbat, because I don't have an offhand, a ready answer for that. My instinct is to say is to be dubious but I don't know I'm going to keep an I'm going to keep an open mind and try and reflect on on that question he does have the courage to stand up mm-hmm. and and articulate what no doubt are a range of grievances yeah I mean it is it's always so striking to me the the uh, in in Mishnah Avot in Pirka Avot the whole idea of Machloket l'shem shemayim, the idea of a of a dispute that is for the sake of heaven, and um, 
of course, the Hillel, the the, 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 the disagreements of Hillel and Shammai are quoted as examples of, of arguments for, for that are for the sake of heaven. But Korach is quoted as being absolutely that it's not l'shem shemaim; it's not for the sake of heaven. And the Mishnah says that only arguments are for the sake of heaven are going to endure, and the ones that are not for the sake of heaven will not endure. And Korach was swallowed up by the earth. The earth opened up and swallowed up him and his company which the rabbi sort of read as being that's the end of this unjust argument how, i mean that that, that that there's a lot of drama in that moment but like how do you how do you relate to that first of all the idea of of what a machloket l'shem shemayim is although we're getting towards the end of our time so that that could be opening a whole nother subject but the 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 the, the, the image of the earth opening up and swallowing him just a bit of a personal response. It, it's very violent, and I, you know, it's not a good model for dealing with people who disagree with us. <laughs> um, but I want to say something else about that as well, which is it strikes me from it's my own experience in the rabbinate when I've been challenged on things, and sometimes I felt, on reflection, somebody had a good point, and sometimes I wish I'd understood that earlier, and sometimes I felt they weren't fair. But I don't think it's ever the case that somebody has nothing going for them. Uh-huh. People sense something. So to have a, a totally negative attitude to one's antagonist is, is probably a mistake. And if one can, one should stand back and say, well, it seems they're motivated by this and this and this, which are not kosher motivations. But actually, where's this come from? Who's not being heard? What voice is being expressed here that I too haven't heard. Mm-hmm. After Brexit, and as with the majority of the Jewish community, not all of it, but I think the great majority, a passionate Remainer in Europe, and, and, and very strong about that. What people realized on the Remain camp was that the vote to leave was articulating voices which people hadn't bothered to listen to enough. Absolutely. And that really matters. Yeah. So that's that. That feels really important and a good, good place to leave. That you know, whatever. Sound good place whatever. to leave. I'd rather remain. But <laughs> we have to leave. Okay. <laughs> if we're going to leave, we'll leave on a note that says that you know, even those voices that we don't want to hear and that challenge us in ways that make us feel very uncomfortable. That that ultimately there's there's got to be some truth that we do need to hear, um, and that we also need to in 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 responsible and and, and caring and passionate ways um speak truth to power when it feels when it feels right and we have to have as much integrity as we can in a world that does f- feel um that the core value of truth has just um been swallowed in the ground with korach sometimes so i don't know if you have any final comment but um it's certainly been lovely to sit here and chat with you about these subjects and hope it's not just words absolutely and first of all thank you a big thank you with all your leadership and all your work and all your walking the walk which I very very much respect and I think I'm going to weigh those questions about how one how we try to tell and live truth and how also to try to listen mm-hmm sometimes because the criticism is completely fair and sometimes because it's 90% not fair but what's the 10% I've missed yeah 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership you. and thank you for your friendship and you do walk the walk, sometimes with a lovely <laughs> dog. Yeah, the side. dog walks the walk. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to A Dash and Drush. We will see you next time.